Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the gospel reading of Matthew, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today you heard beginnings and endings. The beginning of the world, the beginning of creation as we read Genesis chapter 1. And those first words of creation that God speaks, let there be light. And then we get the last words of Christ that the Gospel of Matthew records shortly before he ascended into heaven. And these last words from Matthew become our first words as the body of Christ and as individual believers. The great commission of the Lord to his followers and a word of his faithfulness in this timeless message from the Bible. Now of all the gospel writers, Matthew was the only one who really gave us something that can properly be called an ending. An ending which looks forward to the continuing work of the gospel by the people of God. This ending paragraph is not just the ending of a book, it marks a new beginning. It gives the disciples of Jesus, us, a mission plan to evangelize to the world. And really, when we think about it, the reason that all of you are here is because of this passage. The reason that we are in this building today is because of this passage. Christ's closing words, his great commission, become our first act. Or to take the word from a word from within the word, Christ's commission becomes our mission. And there are a number of things that we'll look at that will help us really realize what this commission means. The first is that this is what the action is supposed to be, what our action is supposed to be. And normally when we're given a task, an action, there's someone who has some kind of authority that gives us that command. And we see that right away, that Jesus has divine power and authority. We read, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now the work of missions is not an easy task. No one can do it by his or her own power. The power and authority to do what our Lord has commanded are his, not ours. Christ's power, his presence, his authority gives us the courage and right to go from place to place sharing the good news of salvation. If we did not have his power and his command to share the gospel, our efforts would be pointless. And Jesus knew that his disciples could not function well apart from him. And now he is going to leave them, and he's going to give them his power. And they need it, because here are the eleven on a mountain, worshiping the risen Savior, and still there were doubters. I mean, who do you think it was? Was it Thomas again? Maybe Peter? Why is this even worth mentioning? Well, this is, first of all, showing us that worship is important. 
because Jesus and his disciples worshipped. But even when you're praising God, praising the risen Son, the Savior, right in front of you, you still have temptations. Maybe because among us there are doubters. All over the world, people are worshiping like you and are doubting. And probably all over the world, there are people preaching like me and doubting. All of us have a number of struggles in this life, whether it's sickness or financial problems or doubting or any number of sins, temptations. Because of that, we can easily feel frustrated and powerless, like we're no good, useless people. Do you ever feel like you're not worth much? Do you ever feel worthless? Ever feel like you don't deserve to have Jesus die on the cross for you, for your sins? Do you ever feel like you don't deserve his mercy, his grace, his love? If so, then you're just like his disciples. And that's okay. Because what Jesus is going to do is he's going to address them, each of them, and give them words of comfort and encouragement and hope. And there is power and authority behind those words. Because Jesus is God, the true author of the Bible, the only creator of this world who was there in the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come. And by the power and strength in Jesus' words given to us, just as they are given to his disciples, that power comes. And that power is the Holy Spirit. Remember before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. One thing to note is that the word translated power in Acts is the Greek word dunamin or dunamis as you hear, see here from which you can kind of get the word dynamite. Right? And dynamites are explosives, right? So Jesus is saying, in a way, you could see, I will give you dynamite power, explosive power, a power that surpasses any power in this world, a power that is not subject to any king or kingdom, a power that is not controllable by demonic forces of this world, a power that is shaped by the Holy Spirit, a power that can change lives. And with great power, Jesus then says, go and make disciples of all nations. So how do we do this? Well, I think in order for any of us to go and make disciples, we first have to be disciples ourselves. And already we know that even seeing the resurrected Jesus, some doubted. Therefore, all of us can understand that we are capable of being and going and making disciples. And there wasn't one person that Jesus thought wasn't good enough to hear this message, right? He didn't say, all right, John, you know I love you, but this message just isn't for you, right? So maybe, you know, cover them up, earmuffs. We don't see Jesus say that. 
Right? Even the doubters were seen as acceptable to Jesus to hear his words, which also goes back to it being God giving the power to do these things, the Holy Spirit working in us to complete the action. The fact is we aren't worthy to hear God's word because we're doubters and sinners. We aren't worthy to have Jesus die on the cross for us. We don't deserve his mercy, his grace, and his love because of the sins we commit. We deserve his punishment. We deserve death. We deserve hell. But God thinks we're good enough. God thinks you're good enough. And God poured out his mercy and his grace because he loves you. And God showed you how much he loved you by sending Jesus to die on the cross and to rise from the dead for you, to take your sin, your punishment, your death, your hell. And he has it in his plans for us to share this message with all people. He has it in his plans to share this message with us believers. These same dynamite words for us to go and send us out with. And who do we go out to? To all nations. Well, I think this one is pretty clear. Right? When he says all nations, he means all nations, all people, young and old, from the east to the west, from the north to the south. Because if God thinks I'm worthy enough to hear this message, then there isn't a soul out there who doesn't deserve to hear that message. So how do we make disciples? Well, that is quite the interesting question, isn't it? Right? When you want to know the answer to something, normally you ask it, right? I mean, we see the disciples. They wanted to learn how to pray. So what do they say? Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer. Yet we never see the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to make disciples. And I think that's because everything that Jesus was doing with the disciples was teaching them how to be a disciple. So when he gets to this point and he says, go, they don't question it because they already know. And if they didn't know fully the how, well, Jesus continues in the next sentence. Right? He says, go, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. The mission of the church is to go into all the world to all nations. And Jesus says that baptism and teaching are important parts of making disciples. And where is baptism and teaching done? How about right here? This is the work of the church. We gather together and grow the kingdom of God by bringing people young and old to baptism where they receive God's love, his grace, his forgiveness, where the Holy Spirit again works in our lives. And here in the church, we also teach and feed people and build a foundation of faith for them on the doctrines of God as he has taught us in his word. One of those being one that we can think about today since it is Trinity Sunday, that God is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And we are called to baptize and called to teach all nations, communities around the corner and around the world with the aim of changing one life at a time 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. And to teach what? Well, everything that he's commanded us. And what does he command us to do? Well, isn't it nice that Jesus summarized it for us in two great commands? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Not only are we called to make disciples of all nations, we're called to love all nations, to love all people. Loving God is the most important thing because our faith is the most important thing in our life. And you can only believe in God if you know of his love. And his greatest act of love was sending Jesus Christ on the cross for us so that you could receive the forgiveness of sins, so that you can know what true love is, and so that you can live forever in paradise with him. And loving God also means that you show his love to all people so that they can know about his love and what he's done for them. Again, by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And maybe you're asking yourself, well, sure, making disciples sounds great. So does loving others, but well, what does it look like? It's something I like to call the great compassion of Jesus. We have his great commission. We have his great compassion, right? He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And whatever you did for the least of these brothers, you did it for me. You did it for Jesus. We're also called to carry one another's burdens, which goes back to feeding the hungry giving drink to the thirsty, welcoming strangers, clothing the needy, visiting and caring for the sick and imprisoned. So what does that look like? Well, maybe that means we pray for one another. And by doing so, you're feeding someone's hunger to feel loved. Maybe it means you encourage one another, you talk to one another, and by doing so, you are quenching someone's thirst to feel accepted. Maybe it means when someone walks through our doors, we welcome them. We invite them because they are a stranger to the rest of us. Maybe it means calling up someone when they're sick or bringing them a meal. And by doing so, you are looking after the sick. Maybe it's just writing someone a note to let them know you care and that God cares about them. Because everyone deserves to be shown love and compassion at all times, including times of need. And on top of that all, forgiving one another, because we are all forgiven in Christ. That's how it looks. And yes, from person to person and situation to situation, it will be different. But by doing these things, you will be living God's commands, which comes from 2 Corinthians, to be of one mind and live in peace. Yes, this is hard, to love everyone all the time because we're sinners. That's why we have the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, because we can't do it on our own. This great commission that Jesus has given to us, which is our mission to the world, Jesus doesn't end there. He ends with a promise. He said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus told his disciples to do this, to go, 
and that no matter what, no matter what kinds of trials they faced, and all but one of these guys was martyred, killed for Jesus, and numerous others were persecuted and killed also. No matter what temptation Satan throws your way to try to lead you astray, no matter how difficult life can seem being Jesus' disciples, he would always be with them. He would be standing next to them, knowing what it felt like to be tempted, knowing what it felt like to be tortured, knowing what it felt like to be killed, knowing what it felt like to live your daily life. And because Jesus was killed and rose from the dead, there is great joy that we can take in knowing that he is always with us. And this promise made to those disciples is the same promise made to you. And that's because Jesus always makes it about you. No matter what happens in your life, he is always with you to love you, to forgive you, to help you, to guide you, to strengthen you, to walk with you to the very end of the age, no matter what happens. He is with this church, even though we all can't be together right now. And the Gospel of Matthew ends the same way it begins, Jesus being with us. Because Matthew chapter 1 reveals to us who Jesus truly is. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is always with you. And because of him and through him, you can go and make disciples. The message first given to those disciples in Galilee, and today said to all of you disciples, as he was there in the beginning, so he is with us now, and will be with us forevermore. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.